0: Hello, Denver United, and welcome to another episode of our podcast series, Clunky Conversations on Unity and Race. George, we got into it last time. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me and prioritizing, helping us think through and unpack, pull the pieces apart of this complicated and thorny uh, realm of conversation so that we can have it in proactive, productive ways.
1: I absolutely love these conversations, Rob. Thanks for... um... Uh, for initiating this and inviting me into it and uh, the thing I've enjoyed most man is that they never like these aren't too scripted for us uh we sort of just hit record and see where it goes and I think it's important that that they don't go down perfectly and that's the part I love the the most is that it's awkward it's a little uh your word is clunky I like that word um but 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 having the conversation is the most important thing man so I've I've loved the imperfection of it all and looking forward to today
0: Yeah, to do it, right, to enter the the realm of race, justice, and unity is to accept imperfection. if we leave the conversation to those who can have it perfectly it's never going to happen at a broad enough scale to influence our culture and that's what we the body of christ are called to do jesus modeled a kingdom that isn't the domain of the experts in its coming but that is the the domain of the underprepared right you know the scripture teaches about um the priesthood of every believer and that's a cherished new testament doctrine but Really, from Jesus' point of view, it reads more like a priesthood of the underprepared. You know, they, they were still figuring out some of the major ideas. They hadn't coalesced around language that was universally accessible. They still um, had stuff to settle, and he sent them out with the message and the power. And that's what I believe Jesus does with us. In one lens, it's reckless. But it's not us who does the work of reconciliation, right? That's 2 Corinthians 5. Jesus did the work of reconciliation on the cross. So what we are is messengers. We're ones highlighting the conversation. We're not shepherding the people. We're simply um, pointing them to the good shepherd, the reconciler himself. So we can take the pressure off of having to do it perfectly. I think that's a a barrier to entry for many Christians in this discussion is like, even if I'm sold that the conversation is real and needs to happen, I'm afraid I'd mess it up. And friends, don't be afraid you're going to mess it up. We can't mess up the kingdom. Jesus said, I will build my church. The kingdom will come. We got to read the end and the good guys win. The only way we mess it up is if we self-exclude. If we check ourselves out because out of our pride and our insecurity, we think, despite Jesus' appraisal, that we're not good enough. And so jump in. And be willing, like George said, to have a clunky conversation on unity and race. The kingdom comes. The reconciliation work happens in the realm of race and injustice on a thousand clunky conversations. So let them begin. Last time we talked about... Um, this very subtle concept of implicit bias and how it's not intrinsically racial. It's a sociological phenomenon. It happens whether we agree with it and whether we recognize it or not, like like the implicit bias that many uh, on on a comparatively frivolous level experience in American culture by the majority being right-handed. And so with implicit bias there comes an even more subtle and even more tender reality and that is that this bias is and has in a sense if you will the luxury of being unequally realized now it's not unequally experienced all fish are swimming in water but it's unequally realized many don't realize it, because in short, circumstances make it such that they don't have to. And that concept um, is, is in the racial space, often called white privilege. Now, before we get into what it is, I want to pause and talk about the importance of terminology in the broader conversation of race and justice. Terminology can't solve the problem, but it can keep it from getting solved, and it can worsen it. Right. Very often we'll get hung up on a term because it it pricks on a sensitivity uh, or it trips our minds up and then we self exclude. We never go further. And so I I think that uh, it's important to be careful in coddling the majority because if I'm a a representative of the minority, uh, that would tempt me toward cynicism like oh you know does it have to be do the conditions have to be just absolutely perfect for your for your um gentle soul before you can enter the conversation
1: (laughs) uh yeah i think uh i think nothing's worse than uh you know when you're trying to have a conversation with somebody or, or or maybe maybe more accurately so when you witness a conversation between two people and you realize they're having two different conversations. They're parallel, they're never gonna intersect. Like this group's having this conversation and the other person's talking about something completely different and they're wondering why they're screaming at each other for 30 minutes. <laughs> that's um, every evening cable news show. Exactly right. Like y'all are saying, two, y'all are having two different conversations. And I think that's why it's so important with terminology because I think around this uh, topic of white privilege, one of the, 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 like you said before, the barriers of entry is definitions and what we mean because when one person hears privilege they're saying one thing and the other group is saying something completely different and we're having parallel conversations that never intersect so i think like you said establishing some at least some common ground i don't think is coddling to the majority but it's 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 establishing uh like i said a common ground that we can actually have the conversation from that so it doesn't you know get stopped before it gets started
0: Okay, so for the sake of this conversation, can we go with majority privilege? Um, That normalizes it across cultures. In American culture, um, without doubt, white as a race, it's not an ethnicity, it is an amalgam of hundreds of ethnicities, but white as a race um, comprises the majority. But in other cultures and in other times on this landmass, other races have comprised the majority. So to, to talk in, in more sociologically uniform terms uh, and to remove a, 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 an invitation, a temptation to miss the point, let's speak about majority privilege. The privilege that the majority, be they right-handed or white, have of not having to notice the implicit bias baked into their culture. But before we do that, we got we to gotta hit the back button one more time because I've discovered in this lap around the racial justice and unity conversation in our church, that the words majority and minority carry some uh, some difficulty. And so I, I, I wish there were a, a, as yet a better term to, to delineate the parties, um, but let's stipulate that in referring to a minority or majority, we're not ascribing intrinsic value. It's not a majority of value or worth or goodness and a minority of worth or goodness, more just simply representation in the populace. And so in talking about the majority bias, we're not talking uh, about the, the better, the bias of the better is clearly, I hope clearly, but yeah. rather the bias that the, the people in the, in the numerical heft experience uh, and the privilege of being in that numerical heft does that work is that clear that's, perfect.
1: that's great where do you want to start with this i got so many thoughts so where do you want to go
0: okay majority bias go majority bias <laughs> that's so broad this.
1: yeah i i it's so connected to what we talked about um on the last episode i think is when, you know, our individual biases create a collective bias, which we use the great example, right? It sort of tilts the landscape by a little bit to where one group or a majority group maybe is is has the privilege of not having to experience certain things that others do. Uh, others do.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, I think that, man, that's so hard to know where to start. All right, so let's start here. I, One of the roadblocks that I've noticed having to have this conversation isn't necessarily about majority or, or, or the fact that some sort of privilege exists, it comes down to being able to distinguish between an individual, an individual's experience and the larger populace experience, right. So if you talk about majority privilege to someone who's in the majority, but feels like they don't have any, they didn't have a privilege. Sometimes that could shut down the conversation because it's like, well, no, I didn't what you're saying doesn't represent me and and that's a really tough roadblock to get past because it's saying I, it may not uh, be representative of you, but it could still exist in the larger landscape. There's this really stupid video on YouTube. Um, I admit maybe whether it should or shouldn't be one of my favorite videos, it, it is. It's the old video of the crazy hot matrix with that guy. Do you remember that video where he's talking about? So he it's this stupid, it's probably wrong on so many levels, but he's talking about the relationship between someone's looks and their craziness. And he says this line of like, you have to this is a cluster of data points. You can't just take one reading. You have to take a collection because someone could pop up on this part of the chart and vanish and reappear in a different location. So I think when we talk about majority privilege, I think we have to remember that it's not an individual's experience, it's a collective representation and that my 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 experience may not be indicative of the collective experience.
0: So what's trippy about that and and help me help me further pull this apart and articulate it is that somebody could experience none of the benefit, so to speak. Of majority privilege,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but uh, in in an in an isolated um, uh, study, yeah, or, or examination, but still, overarchingly, benefit from the majority privilege collectively, and not even be aware of it. Take your grade example, the road grade, the difference. if, if you're biking and I'm biking. And I'm biking over the course of a lifetime up a 1% a or 2% grade, sorry, down a 1% or 2% grade, and you're biking up a 1% or 2% grade in a day, in wow. a week. We might not notice it, but over the course of time, the, the, the grade difference uh, benefits me. It just can't help but, and the grade difference hinders or opposes you. Now, does that stop you? No. And so people will say, but look at all of the advancement individually by this or that expression of the minority. How can you say that that they're being hindered? Well, it, it doesn't mean that you're not getting where you're going and probably that your legs and lungs aren't the better for it. Wow. That's so good. That the overall journey was easier for one and harder for another. Is Do you buy that? Is that true? I
1: do. And again, I, I still think with that example, it's a collective grade and collective bikers. Because one person's going to hear that and say, you know, the, the, our temptation is to even take that example and individualize it. Right. To where it's just two bikers. It's like, no, it's two huge groups or or five huge groups of bikers right, right. so it's not one person's journey to the, to the top or bottom of the hill it's it's a larger collective so i totally buy that the collective journey of one group might be it, it, undoubtedly, undoubtedly is tougher than maybe the collective journey of the other so i take myself maybe as as a as an um, a, an illustration of this concept Me, myself, I don't recall growing up experiencing vast amounts of overt racism in my journey, in my experience. A lot of it's been more subtle. It's been more like I felt that, but no one is coming up to me saying really horrible things. I have an experience in um, in my professional career being capped because of my race. Right. I haven't I haven't experienced a lot of those things.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But does that mean that I can look at the rest of the black community and say, well, hey, my experience should be indicative of yours. Um, It's not any one of our experiences. That's the point. It's when you add up all of the bikers (laughs) and look at their experience, you say, I think they're pedaling about two percent uphill. Mm -hmm. And even if I can find one who 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 got to the top or, or made it or pushed past it. It doesn't deny the larger collective experience, mm-hmm. and you know I think one of the other places that this shows up is with the word privilege mm. and how that word is experienced or understood. Mm. What do you mean? And I think you know a, a lot of my white friends over the years, when you bring this up, um, you know it, I think when a lot of my friends hear the word privilege, they think a certain thing. Um, maybe to them, when they hear the word privilege, they hear you were gifted everything. Mm-hmm or you didn't have to work for it you were handed wealth you were handed opportunities yeah it almost feels like you just coasted down the hill and didn't have to pedal right
0: yeah i've heard that a lot from my wife i think one of the like hey my grandparents they busted their ass for this we didn't get it handed to us and the 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 notion that they were somehow privileged, that they were like a, you know, uh, like a, one of the Hilton heiresses who inherited yeah. all this wealth, or like Donald Trump, um, it, it 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 righteously offends, and rightfully so. I think you know anyone who's been a part of
1: working for something very hard, or building a business from scratch, in 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 staying up till two three a.m. for like anyone who's experienced that and walked that type of a um, experience through life there is something in us individually that prickles against that to say no nah, no nah, i i actually feel like i worked really hard and any benefit i i received was not a gift but it was it was earned through my hard work and i can get down with that man like i can i can i can get on board with that train of thinking I think one shift that may be helpful for for people in in understanding the word privilege may not be that you were gifted anything or that you didn't have to work for what you received i think the privilege may be that as a collective you were rewarded for your hard work in ways that people from minorities that put in the same work Weren't able to experience the same level of reward. It's not the- Can I that
0: real quick. Could you also yeah. say and then maybe come back to this if 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 you weren't done with that that in addition to you were, wor- were rewarded for it that there was a uh, a comparatively more level playing field with regard to fairness. You it's not that you didn't authentically or your grandparents didn't authentically bust their ass to to fill <laughs> that field. But you then, like saying
1: that, don't you? You like have- saying.
0: I like it. it is strangely therapeutic. Yeah. <laughs> but that there was a field there for them to to tell, right? And that, that there was a there was a, a set of rules that were more or less played by such that their ass-busting didn't go for naught or wasn't wasn't cannibalized by others.
1: That's exactly the point. So I think that's where a hang-up is with a lot with, with with a lot of people is they hear I didn't have to work privilege equals no work. It's like, no, 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 no. Right. Privilege equals, I was, there's a system that exists where I was able to be rewarded for my work disproportionately to other groups of people to so where we both ran a hundred meter dash, but I had, but you got, you're running. So you're working, you're training, you're doing your thing. You're running as fast as you can, but maybe someone on the other track has like six hurdles on it literal hurdles to where they're running and jumping over stuff right and they have to and they run a slightly slower time because of that but then we're judged on the time that we ran
0: Mm
1: -hmm. right so so you ran a 100 meter dash but i ran a 100 meter dash with with six hurdles but now we're judging the time stamp on the end Mm -hmm. and Seeing who did better. But
0: so, so what's interesting is the privilege isn't so much a presence. It's not like your track had like um, you know, nitrous oxide turbo boost packs that you got to pick up and made yes. you run faster. It's that it's the, the privilege is the absence, An absence of hindrance. Right? That there was simply uh, a a level track and that's it. And a fair set of rules that were relatively Uniformly applied, and so the privilege is is hard to grasp because in many cases, as I hear you describe it, it's the absence of hurdles, and we don't typically notice the absence of obstacles as a privilege. That's the whole point, right? It's it's hard to understand absence,
1: even from like the the physics standpoint, right? As they're studying the universe and figuring out dark energy, dark matter, matter, and it's like how do I measure the absence of something? It's hard to get your head around, Uh, but that's exactly I think what um, a lot of people are trying to voice when they use that term majority privilege. It's, it's, it's not necessarily a presence, it's an absence. And I think that's so insightful that you just said that. I, I read a, a study this week, um, there was a university that took thousands of applications and sent them out uh, to employers. Now, every application was exactly the same, except for the name of the applicant, right? So they had some names that sounded more white and names that sounded more black like maybe Lakeisha or Jamal versus Becky and John or whatever. and the and when you just look at the callbacks on the application, it was staggering to see if your if your name sounded more white, everything else equal <laughs> that you were likely to get a callback mm-hmm. at, at a much higher now that's a privilege. now did that mean you didn't have to go to school? And and work and put that application together and,
0: and 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 build up your experience. Not at all. Right. The door didn't open because your name is Jeff, and you didn't get the job because of it. But it's more just that that the door didn't slam shut.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And that's hard to. I would imagine uh, that's hard to face that that reality without. Uh internalizing it and making it an individual
0: okay so um, can let me go there for a minute um you mentioned on sunday a profound distinction that i think has gone under addressed and that is between guilt and um and what was the what was the uh, grief. grief between guilt and grief right and i think that um, when you move beyond the, the culpability, the actual fault that we talked about uh, in, in our last episode, the guilt realm typically happens when, when we become aware of or are asked to consider majority privilege, and we confuse that it exists with, that we are somehow wrong for having experienced it and so then we feel guilt and guilt drives us into a pit stop. And we, maybe we go through something that ultimately is uh, is a redemptive process, but it keeps us from being effectual, from being influential as Jesus light shiners in the darkness, right? And so how can we rethink about majority privilege in a way that maybe takes the teeth from it and, and, and lets, lets the majority off the hook a little bit? You're not necessarily, correct me if I'm wrong here, listener, you're not necessarily wrong you're not at fault for having experienced or benefited from majority privilege. The goal isn't that, that everybody have hurdles on their track, right? right? That everybody have the door slammed in, in their faces. That's, a, that, that's the total opposite direction of where we're going. The goal is that all of us experience that same privilege of opportunity that same privilege of fairness. That's what we aim for with equality. Not that everybody have equal measure of suck, but that everybody right. have equal measure of goodness, of possibility. Is that true?
1: Yeah, I think <laughs> that's so good, man. I love how you said that. And um, yeah, I, I, I just found for me, um, in my experience and the conversations I've had with people is that guilt just isn't an effective place to start. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um That's why I tried to say it that way. Like you may not be guilty. You may not be at fault. Cause like the truth is I don't know. Like I don't know if you're at fault or not. But it's just even if you are, it's just often not a helpful place to start because it just shuts you down. We go into self preservation mode. Yeah. you shut down. So I think just just starting with the realization that none like anyone listening to this is likely under 100 years old, just statistically, right? Like, So all of us are fairly, you know, we're rookies at being on the earth. We haven't been here that long. A lot of these problems have existed long before we got here. None of us filled out an application to be born.
0: Hmm.
1: I, I didn't say like, hey, I would love to be born. As a black male check and then I got approved and then I just showed up in the earth right like none of us decided or or, or chose to to get here, we just were here, Um, I I didn't choose to be a man, but, but when I hear people talk about the privilege that I. uh, uh, Maybe enjoy from being male in the workplace. Like me feeling guilty about that is not a great place to start because it just shuts me down. But when I have to face the reality, man, that there's a lot of like women listen to this, y'all already know about how you're paid less for doing the same job a lot of times. Right. That's a reality. And I've benefited from a system that I didn't create. And I think just distant, even even if we are at fault. Right. I think distancing ourselves from that initially at least gets us into the conversation to where we can accept it, where we can feel it in a way that doesn't have to do with us personally. And I've just found that that's the most effective way to at least get the ball rolling in the right direction.
0: I love that. Um, I love that because it frames the privilege rightly. The privilege isn't something instinct intrinsically illicit. It's not like because of of majority privilege. Let's use your I- example of being born male that you were given an open door to um, unfair, or maybe unfair isn't the right right framework, but to illicit. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. It's not to say your game wasn't just. It's to say, uh, I mean, uh, unto yourself. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It wasn't righteous. How about that? Your gain wasn't righteous, but rather that it wasn't as possible for somebody else right and so the i mean if if what we're saying let's just be clear if what we're saying is the privilege is you were able to weasel your way to the top we're not talking about majority privilege now we're talking about like we have other words for that like collusion graft corruption i mean these are felonies and then we're in a different conversation and and we need to have a we need to have a pastoral uh discussion but presuming that, that their, their legal, moral, and ethical gains, the, the, the fault, if there is, isn't that you gained. Exactly. It's that others lacked the same possibility for gain. And as yes. brothers and sisters in Christ, that is our burden. An injustice anywhere, Dr. King said, and we began here, is an injustice everywhere. Right. If my family is wronged, I'm wronged. If somebody else lacks the advantage I lack, then decency, Christ-likeness, asks me to go back and acknowledge that, grieve that with them, and then lend my strength, lend my voice, and help us all have that same advantage. So the privilege, the things to which we're privileged are righteous, as long as we're talking within the realm of moral and ethical advantage. It's that we want all of our brothers and sisters be it our our sisters as men or our uh, brothers and sisters of color as representatives of the majority white brothers and sisters we want all of us to experience the goodness of the lord in the land of the living amen
1: that's it that's exactly it and i think one thing i would leave um leave us with just as a challenge is just to begin to set on that journey of, of of setting down, (laughs) Uh, I guess I'll just say it the way I want to say it is setting down our individuality for a second. Mm. Um, And that's really hard for us to do as human beings, especially as Westerners, but can we set down our individuality, our experience Mm. and try to do our best to enter into this space as we continue to, I don't know how many more of these conversations we're going to have, but this is still going to be a reality for a long time. Mm -hmm. So as we dive into this, can we look through collective lenses? Mm. Can we broaden our scope to not one person, but to a collective thing? And that's a really hard, a really, it's a challenge, but I think it would be very beneficial for us. So I challenge you to, to begin on that. Let's not look at at just ourselves and to make decisions on this topic. And also let's not look at just one person over there. That's what happened when Barack Obama became president, right? It's like, whoop, see, look, there he is. There's a black president, so we're good. It's like no one person is the representation of this problem. Can we move from an individuality to more of a collective frame? And I think God will meet us in that collective that frame and show such, us some stuff.
0: Such an important yeah. perspective, such a, uh, a clear and, I think, righteous challenge. Yeah, I've heard, and I'm ashamed of this, but I've heard white brothers say, like, oh, LeBron James is richer than I'll ever be. Wait, that proves nothing. Exactly. That, and, exactly. And that, yes, that, he is. That stops the the goodness of this conversation. Um, and mm-hmm. so thinking... Collect- now, a lot of
1: those things... I'm going to interrupt you real fast, and then Go. I'll stop talking. And Go. a lot of those things, and this is another important piece, are indicative of progress. So we can point to those things and say, wow, a hundred years ago... That might not, that might not be possible. Yeah. And that's awesome that it is, but it also doesn't absolve us, us from... <laughs> It doesn't pull us out of saying, oh, well, now it's all fixed because that individual isn't representative of the entire collective. So I remember, we started um, yeah.
0: this conversation with Philippians 2 in our first service where Paul challenges the church to think collectively like you're saying he says let's look not only to our own interests but also to the interests of others right he's not saying you're not important or sit home and self-flagellate and, and put the dunce cap on and sit in the corner or beat yourself over with the with the guilt stick he's saying look mm-hmm. to your interests but let's just for 10 minutes look to the interests of others and then Um, we'll be able to see some things that, looking only to our own interests, we may not even be able to see, let alone speak the light of Jesus into. Such a good conversation. Time for us to go. So much more to be had. I want to keep talking and talking, but I think the point is to prime the pump. Uh, and invite you all listening with us. Uh, let's continue this conversation in fits and and spurts. In spurts. Uh, sometimes it's going to be two steps forward and one step back. Um, sometimes the conversation is going to get um, g- going to get unpassably clunky. We got to cool off and and give it a couple minutes and then come back and mind our Christian manners. But let's take the risk. Let's have the conversation. This is our mandate. This is our challenge. And friends, as Jesus ambassadors in this city in this generation this is our privilege the scripture teaches that Jesus purchased Accomplished reconciliation and then gave this ministry of reconciliation, the announcement, the installing of the reconciliation software to us, calling us ministers of reconciliation. May God give us grace and courage to go and do that righteous work. That is beautiful. It is the light of Jesus in the darkness. You are called by our Savior to be a city on a hill, and nothing is supposed to extinguish you. So let's shine together for Christ. George, would you? You close us in prayer, absolutely, Holy Spirit. We ask uh, that you would speak
1: to us through these conversations. Mm. Uh, would you challenge us in the spaces where you want to challenge us? And Lord, I just pray that any any of the words that were spoken that are just mine or just Rob's, God, would those fall? But Lord, we believe that you're wanting to speak something to us. Yes. So God, would you open up our ears and our in our minds and our hearts? Push us where we need to be pushed. Encourage us where we need to be encouraged and challenge us where we need to be challenged and lord through it all we want to look more like you so we thank you for these we pray a grace over these conversations
0: as they continue in jesus name amen 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 george love you a lot brother thanks love for taking you, the, time and the courage and humility to have this conversation we love you all so much may love jesus you, lead us on as we do the work of building his kingdom in our city we'll talk to you next time